To the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 42, coming at you live and direct from the Vibe Junkie Studios in Oakland, California. Yep, March 2021, episode 42, we out here, and so grateful you are tuning in. Shirts and bandanas. Every time you think it got me, I switch the planner. Bulletproof this radio scanners. Falling to their banners. You getting too much bread, they try to jam you. Boy from the hood, but got White House clamors. Side y'all, I don't agree with y'all parents. Politicians never did shit for me. Except lie to me, distort history. Wanna give me jail time in the fine? Fine, let me commit a real crime. I might buy a kilo for cheap keep Out of spite, I just might flood these streets Hear the freedom in my speech, got an onion from And episode 42 of the Up for Life podcast is proudly brought to you by Herb and Music Herbandmusic.com Cannabis and music have been cosmically intertwined since the beginning of time Modern music and marijuana culture have enjoyed a chromatic relationship a defiant righteous dalliance between these once forbidden fruits so urban music h-e-r-b-a-n-m-u-s-i-c urbanmusic.com is a fresh new online periodical that seeks to explore the storied history between the worlds of sound art spirituality and raised vibration we intend to celebrate the people the songs and the stories behind the music marijuana and movements The concept is an intentional feature-based throwback to magazine journalism and topical coverage that really digs deep into our intellect and consciousness. So with that, I want to shout out our peeps, Michael A., Nico, from Mag, and the Urban Music Squad. You can check it out, urbanmusic.com, the healing of the nations.
was the sounds of the first lettuce shows in nearly a calendar year. Happened over my birthday weekend. As a matter of fact, this is on my birthday. Cervantes Masterpiece Ballroom Denver, Colorado. They did uh, two nights, four sets, socially distanced gigs. And I was lucky. It was my first concert in a year. And appropriately enough, it was lettuce. So uh, you can read all about that experience and the shows themselves, which were streamed live. Anyway, check out my review. Live for Live Music or UpfulLife.com. Went deep on the whole experience. It was just very rewarding to head out there and kind of slip in and slip out of Denver with a day up at Copper Mountain snowboarding with my fiance. So pretty, uh, just much needed experience. And you're hearing this Mr. Yancey, which was from deep in the fourth set of the Lettuce Show shows. And again, check out my story. First live music review I've written since, yeah, I think it was Lettuce New Year's Eve 2019 into 20. Also want to tell you about some other cool shit going on on UpfulLife.com. That is my man Scott T., Wrote about the return to Spirit of Swanee Music Park for their funky Mardi Gras masquerade with O'Teal Burbridge and Dumpster Funk. Some commentary from Paul Levine, a very thoughtful, poetic, and you know insightful uh, review and reflection from a man, Scott T. That's on UpfulLife.com, along with my return of the Let inside the first Lettuce shows in a year. And I did a deep, deep dive on Mr. Yancey himself. Jay Dilla, examining the life, legacy, and genius of Jay Dilla, Yancey taught me. B gets on Live for Live Music. You can always find all my stuff on UpfulLife.com. If you're inclined to support what we're doing here, the Upful Life podcast, UpfulLife.com, really any of my endeavors, you can kick down to get down. Patreon.com backslash UpfulLife. That's patreon.com backslash UpfulLife. Want to shout out my first subscriber, my first patron, Ms. Heather Allen. She used to be out here in the Bay, as I recall. Know her a little bit from the music scene. She lives in Portland, Oregon now. And I really appreciate your support. Heather, we're going to send you out some stickers. Anyone that wants to sign up, you get some cool music shit, some tips. Possibly some memorabilia, definitely some stickers. I'm working it out as far as the tiers and rewards. But right now, it's just an opportunity to get behind what I'm doing. And I am grateful for anyone who is inclined to kick down and get down on patreon.com backslash life. You can hit me up here with any kind of commentary or reflections, suggestions, constructive criticism, etc. Email me, b.getz at upfullife.com b.getz at upfullife u-p-f-u-l-l-i-f-e dot com love to hear from everybody appreciate all the emails and you know interactions I'm getting on all the different forms the social etc and speaking of lastly please rate and review this podcast on iTunes Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice it's huge 
goes a long way to steering the algorithms in the direction of this show, new listeners, new frontiers. So with that, this has been Lettuce from Cervantes Masterpiece Ballroom on my birthday, February 19th, 2021, Mr. Yancey. Rest in peace, Jay Dilla. Rest in peace, Jay Dilla. Happy birthday, B. Flipping backwoods material, long hikes and scenic sights, cops running red lights where young types ride bikes, tourists coming from New York to spend a couple nights, while the local youth getting kicked off the street like mice, tucked in these hills, liberal voters, second homeowners, organization donors, local business owners, mostly white, a lot to comprehend, so when I'm sitting down to write a rhyme, before I venture out to find another mountain to climb, but hip hop made its way deep into the heart of the sticks, so I'm kicking writtens to the stars, peep this lunar eclipse, everyone like, yo, what's good, what you doing this Friday, ciphers at house parties, down deep dark driveways, toured across the country, drove on every single highway, passing through your hometown to make your speakers vibrate, getting home in a hurry, had to pass on the right, out in the 413, exit 2 off the mass pipe, what's good, we're bumping hip hop to the city from the woods, from the top of the mountain to your local neighborhood, it's a way of life man, this is understood, but we know where it started at. Yes, indeedy. It's an honor and a privilege and a distinct pleasure to welcome Jackson Whalen to the Up for Life podcast, episode 42. Full disclosure, I've known this cat for a few years now. Met him on a ganja farm up here in NorCal, like you've probably heard a time or seven on this show. And he and I connected. You'll hear about that whole journey of our friendship in the conversation but a little bit about the artist he's out of the berkshires in massachusetts western mass kind of in the vortex of connecticut mass vermont new hampshire home to Burkfest. also the special johnny g was on the show a few weeks ago he knows jackson it's a family affair but i'm real stoked for jackson he's made some really ill music along the way he's got a new album called from the woods you're hearing the title track in the background he's got something real special cooked up that you'll have to hear at the end of the interview but he's also a great producer and he's a valuable like resource for other musicians and artists because he does a lot of instructional stuff with ableton he's a hell of a producer um, loved his instrumental hip-hop album from last year the road ahead volume one uh, with his boy ian evans that made uh, my favorite albums runner-up list 2020 but yeah jackson's just a real cool cat instead of getting into all his bona fides you're going to hear about it and so much more in this conversation so uh with that i'm going to turn it over to my mans for a chat with jackson whalen 
MC, producer, independent artist, and a visionary cat in a lot of ways. From the Woods is what you're hearing in the background. I'm going to play a little bit of a song from uh, last year that's called Big Facts. I'm a big fan of. And then we'll get into the interview. Probably play another song after it's all said and done. Jackson Whalen, episode 42 of Full Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz. Yes, indeedy. I'm just, I'm just dropping big facts, big facts. Yeah. Y'all just need to fall back, get back. Yeah. I'm ignoring all that riffraff. I'm just dropping big facts, big facts. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dropping big facts, big facts. Yeah. Y'all just need to fall back, get back. Yeah. I'm ignoring all that riffraff. I'm just dropping big facts, big facts. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dropping facts like I'm Trevor Noah. Noah. A lot of rappers getting older. That's why I got a lot of tracks in the folder Dropping knowledge like I'm Yoda Hold up. All you got is your persona Only reason that you win the game is payola See me coming like a hurricane down in Nola Who that? Who that? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dropping money on this track Money on the map Money is the brass tax Trying to see a rack Better face the facts Now that I got it, I'm counting it up Skipping the line when I'm down at the club Wearing the outfit I love like I'm Bernie Sanders sitting down with Cardi B I'm swerving straight into your lane, no pardon me Dropping facts like I'm Gary V I think these rappers need some therapy I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dropping big facts, big facts yeah. Y'all just need to fall back, get back yeah. I'm ignoring all that riffraff I'm just dropping big facts, big facts I'm just, I'm just, I'm just dropping big facts, big facts yeah. Y'all just need to fall back, get back yeah. I'm ignoring all that Hey, B, what's up, man? Hey, what up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. You hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. Check Word. one, two. Yeah, man, I want to say uh, thanks for taking a few minutes today for the Upful Life podcast. It's been a long time in the making. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man, and uh, miss you and miss being out west. Yeah, man, don't mind the little car noises. So my fiance is running her food uh education classes uh concurrent to this interview uh so i've been banished to the whip i like the uh the foley sound effects that <laughs> right on right on yeah man we miss you too it's crazy you know like you've been back on the east coast for a while now but we met out here and you know a lot of the the connectivity between our coming together we've seen kind of happen uh with you on the East Coast doing your thing, me out here uh, kind of doing my thing. So that's what makes it so cool to catch up because we got a lot to catch up on. But I feel like we've been kind of living it all along. That makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, since 2018 or so, uh, you know, it's a drastic change from touring, you know, and meeting you and being out there to just being in one place and kind of just focusing in on on the studio and production getting new music out yeah man and and that's really been a joy to watch just you know you you know burrow deep into your craft and kind of take control of 
of all aspects of your art and your career. And that's a lot of what I want to talk about is just your path as an independent artist. I feel like it'll really resonate uh, with listeners to the Up for Life podcast because, you know, this whole music community, whether it's the festival world, the jam band world, the burner diaspora, it's all DIY in a lot of ways. It all exists outside of the spectrum of, you know, sort of mainstream music culture. So you're a great yeah. example of that, man. And I want to explore that with you. I think a great place to start is this week. Uh, I guess it'll be out by the time this drops. On January 29th, you're releasing your new record. So what uh, can you tell us just briefly in the beginning here uh, about what you have in the pipeline? Yeah. So, I mean, as we're talking now, it's it's the week of my album release, which is something I've been working on for about three years since 2018, um, working very closely with uh, who has now become my co-producer, Ian Evans, co-writer on many of the songs, keyboard player. Um, so, yeah, we've been workshopping a lot of these songs for about three years and others came together really quickly. But I think because, you know, I've gone through a lot in my life, um, this music happened like as a result of that. And I feel like really, um, I feel like I have a really good, I just have a good feeling about, about putting this music out and kind of maybe it's, you know, light years ahead of where I was before I started making it. And, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to share kind of these last three years with people in, in the form of music word yeah man i mean you're right it's been a time for reflection and internal sort of uh you know taking your own temperature whether it's you as an artist or people just as human beings with everything that's going on in the world but i know that this isn't just about the time with the pandemic with you it goes back to, you know, uh, a lot of life changes. And I think for people to really appreciate, you know, what came about in your life, we got to kind of trace it back a little bit to your, your journey as an artist and just as a human being. But real quick, name of the album. From the Woods, yeah. Right on. From the Woods, January 29th. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely be playing little snippets and a full song from the record, uh, on yeah. this podcast, man. But I've been hearing your music for a long time, and you actually gave me one of the bigger shoves into podcasting when uh, you were releasing a different project a few years ago. You were out here on the West Coast, and we did like sort of a live interview podcast yeah. uh, in Nevada City, and, and that kind of really gave me a lot of confidence to to do this, and I really sort of like jumped into it in the aftermath of that experience. So before we start, really, let me just say thanks for, you know, just shining a light and saying, hey, man, why don't you do this? Because it kind of opened a door for me that has really been uh, rewarding. Yeah, and I wanted to thank you, too, for just, you know, being um, being part of the really what I see as a pillar of our of our culture and microculture of, of, you know, musicians that we're all connected to and putting people's music into words and, and now putting it into podcasts and kind of expanding your mediums with what you do so thank you too man right on man appreciate you saying that you know game recognized game you're looking familiar for sure and for speaking show. of looking familiar man just last pod we did a deep dive with a good friend of yours johnny from the special yeah. johnny g and uh yeah. 
you know, I've only known him a short while, but, uh, you know, we traced a little bit of his roots back to where you're from and where you're living now. So why don't we start there, man? Like, where'd you come up and, uh, what are some of your earliest experiences, like finding music, making music, uh, up there in the Northeast? Yeah. So similar to Johnny, you know, I'm about 40 minutes away from where he grew up in Millerton, New York and in, uh, Connecticut. Um, I'm in the westernmost edge of Massachusetts in the Berkshires. And, um, you know, as you could imagine, there's very few examples of hip hop artists from my rural hometown. But the music kind of found me here when I found CDs, you know, listening to CDs that my brother Adam had left at my house when I was about 11 years old. Um, so I'm like someone who kind of discovered hip hop in a place where there's like a very different cultural heritage. So, you know, you have Tanglewood, you have like Yo-Yo Ma, Mass Mocha, which is a arts museum up here. There's like lots of cultural roots here. Herman Melville wrote Moby Dick here. Um, you know, Edith Wharton has a mansion here. There's like, so I'm a hip hop kid who's, you know, relying on material from here. Um, I also grew up, you know, right next to the skate park and kind of started rolling with, uh, kind of a rough crowd or, um, and then I met Jules through Rarid Street Youth Project, Jules Jensen really introduced me to a lot of the, you know, music that was being made around here. Um, and yeah, uh, I first recorded music here with a guy named Janos who goes by the archetype and he's now based in Boston. And, you know, I, I feel like what could be my weakness as an artist is that I'm from a rural area, but I feel like what could be my strength is that I'm an artist from a rural area area. Cause I have kind of a, I would, I would hope somewhat of a unique perspective as a lyricist on, on life from being here <laughs> out in nature where, you know, the leaves turn colors in the fall and people flock up here to come see that. And, but then I was really attracted to New York, New York city because the Berkshires is also about two and a half hours from New York city. So I always wanted to be in the big city, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, I've spent a decent amount of time in your neck of the woods. I went to college in Vermont, as you know, and drove up through there and dated a young lady from Westfield. So I visited her at her family's house a time or two. And of course, as I talked with Johnny about went to Berkfest for two, three years and wrote uh, for jam bass on two of them. So I have a little bit of an understanding of, of the region, you know, aesthetically and maybe less culturally. So it's interesting to hear you touch off a few of the sort of, you know, pillars or iconic emblems of culture where you're from. I'm just curious, like specifically, because you talk about hip hop music and being rural, like what were some of the MCs or albums that rocked your socks off as a kid where you were really far from that culture, yet that music spoke to you so profound? Yeah, I mean, and there's no question that the music was, you know, being heavily marketed to people outside of cities, too. So it's not super surprising. But the first record that really kind of inspired me to to rap and kind of de describe my life experience through through rhymes was illmatic by nas and 
I really was also kind of even further inspired by Lauren Hill, particularly on the Fuji's, uh, the score. And then from there, it just branched out into, you know, Pharaoh Monch, Raucous Records, uh, Black Star, of course, Eminem, uh, Rhyme Sayers, and a ton of other, you know, underground MCs. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of The Last Emperor. Yeah, he's on all those There's this Lounge Raucous Records. Yeah, so uh, KRS-One, uh, the list... Yeah, the list is endless, but those were kind of the first late 90s, what I would see, you know, what would be called this golden era, classic hip-hop, DJ Premier. Um, You know, I was more into the rappers, even though I started making beats. You know, I didn't become, you know, studying, I didn't start studying producers until later. Um, But that later became, you know, just as important to me. Uh, definitely man i think and when i met you uh we talked as much about production not just hip-hop production but electronic production as we did about emceeing so i definitely want to touch on you know a little bit of that especially uh, you know i love the instrumental hip-hop album you and ian put together last year obviously uh we talked about that and i did the story on live for live music and it's interesting to hear because you name check jules and ian as people you met in your youth yet what were 12-ish years down the road, maybe longer, and uh, those cats are integral to the music you're making today. So, yeah, super cool full-circle shit, and I think that's what makes it magical, uh, unlike just, you know, people meeting people in the studio and and getting a beat from a cat that you don't really know. Uh, These are people that you live life with, and then you're making art with, and whenever that can happen, but especially in 2020, that's a beautiful thing. I know we talked a bunch about Illmatic. I happen to think it's the best rap album ever made. Uh, but you you referenced the Golden Age, and it's really, uh, this is like a CYA moment for me, where it's like some people who were old enough to, and this is like the very end of, of, the, of like the Golden Age is 88 to 92, and I'm like finding rap right around like 91. Uh, and then people also believe like you know enter the 36 chambers illmatic you know through say 98 also a golden age so i think just basically mm-hmm. like you know late 80s through the millennium uh can be sort of viewed as a golden era golden age and yeah, yeah. That, that music you know we're on like the third generation of artists that were spawned out of that time and and you're a part of that so it's just interesting to hear like you know that is old school to you and that was is like you know, not old school to people that are older than you, but it's right. u- universally agreed upon that the integrity and the quality of the art was at its peak then. Yeah, and like you can go back to Grandmaster Flash or Grandmaster Kaz or, you know, even further back. And I think, you know, it was just the age that I was and and the music that was being released at that time, you know, made it kind of my generation's golden age or whatever for people who really were kind of enthralled, you know, with, with what was coming out. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's been super important for me to study the history, you know, long before I, you know, what was coming out long before I heard my first, uh, hip hop cut, you know? 
Yeah. Were you playing any instruments back in those days, or was, like, the sampler or sequencer your first instrument? Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to go all the way back, um, you know, I went to a Waldorf school from third to fifth grade, and I was playing viola and clarinet. Um, and actually I still have that clarinet and pick it up from time to time. And, uh, you know, in a very simplistic way, I kind of can weave it into my music sometimes, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not, not on the viola so much anymore. Yeah. But it's like, you have musical roots. So you had an understanding when you were young that there was something there. Yeah. And then like, you know, as I understand it, you didn't just, you know, drive out to the west coast you took the long way you did a lot of traveling and had a lot, a lot of life experiences from new york city to asia so what is that what was that right. time in your like uh in your life like in terms of you know leaving the woods and sort of setting out on this journey yeah so you know i always had wanted to move to new york city particularly because my favorite music was coming out of there, but I got uh, accepted to, into the new school university, which is, you know, right near Union Square. I was living in a dorm on 13th and 6th when I was 18 and working in a restaurant close by and, like, just hustling to be in school. And, and, and then I met who became my best friend and... Um, band member sam Eckstein, who now produces music under essex so like 2009 2010 i was going to school started a band you know we were playing all over new york city and like all the clubs that do uh <laughs> door deals one of them that you know is gone now called sullivan hall sure did you ever go there yeah so we played oh, yeah. there seen a number of killing shows there and, and, you know, we got really deep in, in the New York City scene, moved to Brooklyn. Uh, we And actually around that time, another full circle moment is that Jules and a bunch of musicians and people from up here were creating the Big Up Music Festival. And so so that's around that time, my, you know, sophomore year in college, uh, Technicolor Lenses played our first festival at the Big Up. That's where we met Johnny G., and the special and you know a lot of artists that you and me are are both connected with who have gone on to do uh huge things since then so that's like you know 2010 um and through my studies in school uh i started studying like spirituality and buddhism and i'd always been interested in that uh eastern philosophy and i i I really cared about doing music too, but I felt a calling to go to India. Um, and it was actually a real crossroads for, for the band for Technicolor lenses. Cause we were kind of gaining a lot of momentum and, um, I felt deeply that I needed to go and experience the other side of the world. Um, so I did a study abroad program on a permaculture community and sustainability uh, curriculum called Oroville, which is in southern India. Uh, I lived out there for three months. And while I was gone, um, Sam ended up forming his solo project, which um, became Essex. And uh, we kind you know, it was it was definitely hip hop, but like also like elements of psychedelic rock. And, um, you know, we we 
we were in the jam band scene and also crossing over into electronic and and hip-hop as well um and so we had some momentum going and, and when i left he he opened for ot at i think it was at bb kings and kind of launched his solo career so i'm out in india and definitely missing music and kind of actually getting clear that i wanted to go full on with music when i came back um but i also experienced just amazing people and amazing ways of life out there um and i was with like 10 other students and i traveled for i think it was like two days on a train from the south to the north by myself and spent 10 days in varanasi which is near the ganges river and yeah, there, there's so many stories to, to go to go to from there. But yeah, India was absolutely life changing. Yeah, I can imagine. I've heard a number of different versions of that story from artists or even my own fiance and people in my life. So I yeah. understand it can have a really, you know, just like you say, life altering uh, influence. And and for you to take that time to sort of distill your focus into music uh all right so when when you come back uh you're pretty are, did you feel like you dove further into that sort of uh neo spirituality that drew you to india or uh yeah. or less so because obviously i'm working towards the snag but i want to i want to get the context right did you spend right, more so. time in that in that sort of uh, space yeah at first i i was still you know in that in that vibe and but also experiencing extreme reverse culture shock so um you know noticing that the way that i was living out there and then going and and trying to find an apartment in brooklyn you know, those things are two very, very opposite experiences. So, like, I, I basically came back and uh, was finishing my last semester in college. So, back in the city. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was connected to some really uh, intentional communities in, in Brooklyn. Um, uh, artists like my friend Shrikala. um and I met David Schomer, who's connected to Derek Barris. Um, yeah, we got to play a there, snippet so. of that collab that Derek yeah. sent me that you guys yeah. did all these Warrior years ago. Three, yeah. So there was supportiveness for um, living mindfully and and I guess being sensitive new age guy um, when I came back and. That lasted actually quite a bit, um, and yeah, it it's uh, there, there's a lot of that in New York City. So like, I feel like there was support for that, and then I hadn't even gone out to Cali yet. So I think I kind of went went even more in that direction. Yeah. Word. Yeah, because it's funny. I kind of in a much lesser, more trivialized and westernized version sort of lived that just moving, being like a Philly guy, having lived in Florida and Vermont or whatever, and then just like landing in Grass Valley all at a different place in my life, of course. But 
you know, just the culture shock and trying to sort of figure out where, where do I fit into this way of living or, or do I even try and how does that affect, you know, my mindset? You know, I definitely went further into, uh, these sort of new agey circles before I realized, you know, that there's definitely elements to take from that and to incorporate into my life. But, you know, uh, at the same time, you know, stay native to who I am and my own culture, my own values and upbringing. And, and there was like, I think, uh, the sensitive new age guy, the song, the message, uh, while it was, it stung and it was almost, you know, not almost, it was controversial. Um, it, you almost have to like sit back, fold your arms in 2020, 2021 and say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Because of what we've seen with, especially what I talked about on the pod with Derek Barris and what you and I have talked about privately with just the conspiracy theories and the, you know, wellness community so far off the radar and responsible for, you know, misinformation and harming people. You know, right. you, you didn't come out and say that, but you kind of did. And, and you maybe caught some blowback. You know, how did you arrive? Because, like, that was a fucking huge song. Yeah. Shit went viral. And it was, like, probably your first dose of mega exposure, but maybe not indicative of who you are as an artist. Right. Um, it was actually it was actually kind of me shedding an aspect of myself that I no longer felt that was, like, the best version of myself. Like, um, also, like, seeing leaders of communities go extremely off the deep end um with their charismatic leadership (laughs) um you know so that was kind of the character that i was playing and that was the 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 humorous part of it but it's like i was kind of holding up a mirror to myself and also you know i guess that was relatable to other people and you know, I used to take a lot of this stuff really seriously and I still do, but I think there's something that is kind of Buddhist about looking at yourself and not taking yourself too seriously, you know? Oh, definitely. And I think that, I mean, you were a full four years ahead of the curve in terms of it coming into the public eye, but like that charismatic leadership and narcissism and uh, just distrust of anything that's not focused on whatever your the whatever your beliefs are um has really reared its head in really ugly and harmful ways and you know probably up until about six months ago i laughed at the snag song not some well, i should say with um but now it's almost like a sad commentary because our community, uh, this sort of festival, spiritual, wellness, you know, new agey burner community is so divided and in shambles because these ideas and charismatic leaders were given the keys to the, the, the wheel, if you will. And, uh, now, you know, we're up to our neck in all kinds of bullshit and anger and distrust of one another. And that's what I meant when I said, I told you so. It's like, you sensed that 
like before the carnage that this was really headed in the wrong direction just from your own personal life experience but you didn't just turn a mirror on yourself you turned a mirror on a lot of us and people in our lives and people we maybe looked up to or found ourselves looking to aspire to be like and that stung and you know i had Mm -hmm. dozens of conversations with people from ecstatic dance or the lib you know like it was, you know, people were just like, oh, that guy, man, you know, that was fucked up. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it was necessary. So, uh, right. so you come out of that, right? Like you, you make that song and, and now you're, yeah. you're on an island. You you're like, you know, you're no longer like a part of the little contingent of hippie rappers on the festival scene. I mean, you might've still hit those events and I've seen you there, but I feel like you sort of transcended that click that sort of pigeonholed you know genre um and you started to make like more authentically boom bap hip-hop records with edge was that intentional yes i mean if you look at my arc as as a person or personality uh who i am is that i started with you know the raw life experience hip-hop and it you know my trajectory moved into through, you know, going to music festivals and experience experimenting with psychedelics or listening to hours of Terrence McKenna on YouTube. All these things were like so exciting to me and it, uh, learning about the law of attraction and positive thinking, um, and doing landmark and all that stuff kind of really brought me deep into like, uh, I don't know, uh, being a seeker, I guess you would say. Um, and I think that I kind of buried my love for hip hop, uh, for a little bit because I was so deep into all those things. And, you know, I took, I think I took a U-turn after snag because I didn't want to become that full as a full-time career. Um, and I also, you know, while it's poking fun at people or people might feel like, oh, he's making fun of me. Um, the whole intention behind the song is like to, to really just laugh at ourselves. Um, you know, I wrote the song with my mentor from here from the Berkshires, Robbie Byer. Um, and we were just, we were on a walk one day and we just came, you know, the idea came to us later to find that the sensitive new age guy as an idea was already out there, you know? So we were just kind of doing our version of it. Um, but yeah, I took a hard U-turn, uh, back to what I love doing most, which is, which is like hip hop, boom bap, uh, stuff that I was, you know, inspired by back when I was 11. Yeah, man. And, it's interesting to see that knowing you personally and knowing your life arc and then juxtaposing that with the, you know, your musical arc from, you know, all the way back making music with Essex, you know, to when I'm meeting you, which is like after maybe the sensitive new age guy had already been like out for a bit and you ended up, it's funny cause I feel like Mikey Dredd gets a mention all the time here, but we're at, uh, Mikey dreads and you and I are up there to help him out. We never met before. And it was like this instant kinship. It was like, I was fresh out of jail. 
and really kind of in this vulnerable place living in this barn um and you're sliding through like in between music situations uh just to make a few bucks it's a similar thing to how i met jules which i just talked about with johnny g on the last episode um but we had this experience together um with the cypher show podcast which i'd have to say is another huge influence on my work as a podcaster and as a journalist and shout out same old sean sean satero complex magazine uh you know and we had these just hours on end to sit and trim weed and talk about life um but we also had hours to just play these pods which for those who don't know if y'all love hip-hop and you like podcasts like this one i'm kind of modeled my shit uh after the cypher show which is just the deepest dives on hip-hop culture and and to sit alongside of you and like because i'm older than you and maybe you know i've been to jail and i've been like you know around the block a couple more times but you've been around the world way more than me and and it was like i i mean i just felt this kinship with you and a big part of that was um the cypher show just you know 10 hours a day uh how did that shit not so much me, but like those experiences, just listening to that show and talking about rap and talking about like, how did that affect your art, your, your music? Dude, honestly, I think that that was like the U-turn moment. That was like a huge reminder of what I, what I do this for. And like, and you know, hearing all the artists who maybe I had strayed from because of where life had taken me. I think that like, that's what brought me, you know, huge part of what brought me back and also the the conversations that you and me had out of listening to our favorite artists and and the great interviews on that podcast yeah man i look back on that time as like just crucials uh for me and i'm grateful that we got to do it together and and yeah man just since then i've kind of had my eyes and ears on what you've been up to and you know we've done some work covering your various projects in the past um i remember you kicked a like basically a freestyle written over one of those lettuce ludes and of course i did the big feature on uh on your instrumental hip-hop album so those you know i would say the the instrumentals with ian and from the woods is kind of in the same chapter of your life which is what you reference about moving back and spending three years. So let's get into that. Like I already been honest with you and my audience that I got in some shit, you know, with cannabis and had to do some time behind it. And normally I wouldn't ask you about it on the air, but you put it on the new record. So obviously it had a huge influence on your life and your work. Um, you know, what happened and, and how did that affect, you know, you moving home and, you're making these changes in your life and, and in turn how we hear that through this new album. Yeah. And, you know, just to be clear, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't rather talk about this with anyone other than you on a podcast. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So I was touring, you know, for three, four or five years, um, ending up in Nevada city where I became, you know, really, I had like a deep love, you know, I still do. I love, I love it out there. Um, I would work, uh, you know, trimming when I, when I 
had the time and needed the dough and you know over years that I kind of got a little deeper into that and basically I was at a point where I was like just doing that and kind of neglecting my music a little bit um and just trying to help people out when things were tough out there yeah man it's easy to get i mean to cut you off but i mean you know it's no like secret that you get out there and you see you can make a few bucks bringing this to there and that's how it happened to me so it's it's a slippery slope so you know the the first you know whatever times it's like almost too good to be true or whatever and you make some money help trying to help people out um but yeah the lure of that can be can be quite uh intoxicating intoxicating sometimes yeah and i'm sure that you know so many people who've spent time out there can relate to this especially when you know the market is down or people are doing more risky things to to try and get by um there's a lot of like transient living out there too um so you know i had a series of of really unfortunate events including um some stuff got robbed i was in and like from the people i was trying to help out um some some things got lost i was kind of freaking out because uh somebody who i was with uh was connected to somebody who got in some serious trouble and I just felt like I needed to leave because I was trapped. I felt trapped. Like I was going from staying with one person to staying with someone else and just kind of in this back and forth knew that I was in a crisis and needed to leave. So I headed across the country back to mass and had, uh, had some packs in the car and was traveling through Wyoming and, I got stopped on the border of Wyoming and Colorado um, in Wyoming and got stopped for speeding. And one thing led to another and there was a dog and spent a night in jail in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And luckily, um, people in my life pulled together resources for me to get bailed out and basically it was a hard stop you know it was like i felt like i just got slapped by the universe um and yeah everything just stopped and i had to fly out there to go to court twice or maybe three times actually um put on probation for three years with the possibility to get off in one. So probation was transferred to Massachusetts, um, stopped using cannabis completely sober for, um, that whole time. And that was the first time I had stopped using cannabis since I was like very young. I, I got into it when I was young cause I hung out with a lot of older kids. So I was probably, you know, it was a long, it was a long train of events that led to that moment of me getting in trouble in Wyoming. Yeah, man, I appreciate you taking it there. And, uh, 
I know that wasn't easy. And, you know, I can relate, man. When I got uh, picked up, I also saw several burning bushes in the days and weeks leading up to my arrest, just conscious and unconscious things that were screaming at me Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, disaster awaited. um, And for whatever reason, I ignored them or tried to rationalize them until, you know, that moment when I was like, holy shit, this is happening. And then also, yeah, man, I started smoking weed in, you know, really regularly freshman year of high school, you know, once or twice before that, but it was kind of like Grateful Dead concert into, you know, smoking weed on the reg. And, and what wasn't another 20 plus years that I'd basically smoked weed the whole time. Uh, and then I got locked up and I didn't bail out. Um, so it was a, a full stop, same thing. So I just wanted yeah. to, to kind of just meet you there and say, like, I totally get that. Just uh, complete your entire life stops and uh and much like uh my own story was redirected through the whole experience that you know while it's happening it's the worst shit that's ever happened but in the rearview mirror it might be the best um yeah i suspect that's the case with you yeah I mean, how did your life change? You get back to mass, you're on PO, um, you know, how take us from, from then to now. Yeah. So, you know, I'm back in mass watching dispensaries pop up in my hometown, but I'm kind of definitely seeing the value in, in being sober. They had to um, test you. They, they just, I've, they yeah, had to test so, you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't so even like, mean just piss tests, like the spirits, the gods yeah. had to test you. So they yeah, put, the they gods, didn't just yeah. take it away. They put legal weed in your town. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, at that point, I knew that I needed a break from everything. And, um, you know, I get random calls in the morning, come in, we're giving you a random test. Um one time I had a false positive and there was a warrant out for my arrest again from Wyoming. Um, Damn. Uh, not, not for weed, but for opiates, which I didn't have any of that in my system. Um, so, you know, freak out moment. I'm doing all the right things. And then a mishap and like all of a sudden I'm like just as nervous as when I got arrested. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there were definitely some immediate challenges and just some real life, like, look in the mirror shit um and i started studying business i was and still am you know i was seeing um i would go up to the city called pittsfield and meet with a a business advisor to try and really shape up my music into my career um and you know i met who has been my partner now for three years amy um I don't, I really don't think that would have happened if I was, you know, still going on the path that I was going to, uh, that I was on. Um, Same. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know that, you know, you have the same, we share a lot of parallels, I think with this, um, you know, I know you did significant time and stuff and I got to respect that what I went through is not as bad as what a lot of people go through every day. Um, but yeah, so I started, I rented a studio, moved in with my girlfriend. 
I was engineering sound at a, a venue here called the Egremont Barn and just started having like laser focus on my music and starting to create music again, linking back up with Ian Evans, forming a live band, uh, which included, um, you know, Jules, Tyler Gasick on sax, Brian Ross on bass, uh, Ian Evans on keys, Ian Stewart on trumpet. So six piece ensemble started, you know, I had to get a travel permit to go play a show in New York city, played Rockwood a couple times. Um, and we recorded here at a local studio called pilot studio. So, you know, things just became really productive because I had a huge fire under my ass and, you know, no time to mess around really. Um, and yeah, we, you know, I feel like the height of that time was being able to open for Taleb Kweli with the live band in Greenfield. Um, you know, just, it, I felt like I was accomplishing a lot because of what had happened to me. And, you know, I, I, I just felt, yeah, I felt like this is what I needed. And yeah, I mean, I got off probation a, a week before the coronavirus pandemic hit. And so it was like, now everybody is kind of op was kind of operating in the same way that I was when I was on probation. Like we're not travel restrictions, you know? <laughs> like, right. And, uh, that's why I call it on punishment. It's the same. It made, it made the pandemic a lot easier for me, you know, like I'm used to this now. So, but, um, you know, my record's clean. I got charges dropped and, didn't have any issues on probation. Um, so yeah, it was a dark time, but it was also, it was like kind of what made me feel like, I, okay, I'm at a point where I feel like I've, I'm being who I always wanted to be, you know, and music is my career now and I needed to shed whatever was in the way of that. I get that man, a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm still finding my way you know, in that regard. So I, you know, I'm inspired by, you know, your path and how you fought back from adversity. And I did want to make, uh, just kind of interject. Um, and it's not really addressing you per se. I just kind of want to say it on the air. We're both, you know, we could say this happened to us or really we did it to ourselves. Um, and both of us, uh, are privileged. Both of us, uh, were afforded, whether it's through attorneys or, as you mentioned, friends rallying to bail you out. People raised money for me. My mom was extremely benevolent. Um, and my people, my family, my friends rallied around me, just as they did for you. Um, and a lot of people, particularly persons of color, uh, could not uh, experience it the same. Or, you know, they're not in a position to, you know, whether it's socioeconomically, culturally, like, People are doing a lot more time for a lot less weed than, and we're sitting here, you know, free people. And, and I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, we got to make the best of, of our second chance. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to, or a perfect example. I couldn't help but notice with the false positive, right? Um, yeah. So the, the recidivism and, you know, people going back to jail because of parole, probation, you get stuck in this cycle 
um, you know, this sort of institution of incarceration. And, you know, we have the wherewithal to, you know, make whatever changes that we had to, to avoid that. And, and not everyone has a support system. Not everyone has the life skills or the tools to do that. And a lot of times when I talk about my experience in the system and, uh, it's pointed out to me that, you know, I'm still pretty fucking lucky because yeah. I could be still in jail on these charges if the deck was stacked against me. And, uh, I feel like it's important to acknowledge that. And I think the same could be said for you. White guy got caught in Wyoming from Massachusetts. There's just a lot of white there. And Absolutely. That, and that's a privilege that we have to I was, acknowledge. You know, I was driving a Prius and stuff when I got in trouble. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you acknowledging that and that, you know, we we come from, from privilege. And, I, you know, I was reading the new Jim Crow while I was on probation and, you know, thinking to myself, like, how, how can I talk about this um, while acknowledging, you know, how it could be so different for, for a person of color. Um, and it's, it's been hard to talk about because of that. And, and I definitely think it's important to, to put that out there and acknowledge it and, and show support to, to anyone who's in that position. Yeah. I mean, you know, you are just by leading by example. And also again, like you keep it real on the new record, um, just for people who are listening in, what's the name of the new song on the, uh, the song on the new record that addresses the whole incident? Oh, uh, that's called Never Gonna Come Down. Right. Featuring Ky- Kyle Bent. Yeah. Yeah, um, man. I want to get into uh, the new album a little bit, too. But before we do that, since we're kind of talking about, uh, you know, the racism or, you know, institutionalized racism in, in the penitentiaries and judicial systems and such... Um, You've been pretty outspoken guy. Obviously, you're a white guy making rap music, but you know you made some records, and one in particular that really came for MAGA and Trump. You know, there were singles you dropped, kind of in between records, but one in particular, um, or really two, the John Lennon cover, um, which is more a message than direct. But you had a song that directly addressed Trump, MAGA, etc. And I know you were like dealing with blowback from like red pilled America on comments and boards. Like, so what was that experience like where you just like, you know what? Fuck it. It's my duty to speak on this. And then like having to deal with fucking idiot hate full of hatred. Yeah. So, you know, music and and rapping and making beats has always been about responding to what's going on in the world. Um, so when conditions got, just kept getting worse and worse. It's like on a level for me personally, it's like almost therapeutic to, to do it and to, to write a song and put it out and just like be okay with however people are going to come at me for it. Um, so yeah, it was single. I was releasing a single every month in, um, 2019, 2020. One of them was dear Mr. President, which was, yeah, just me speaking directly to him, you know, and and also addressing the issues of narcissism and, um, you know, how he's enabled white supremacy to bubble up again. Um, and yeah, so 
pretty much, uh, you know, on Facebook is where I got the most blowback from that track. And I think that people kind of hide their politics sometimes by just saying that it sucks. Um, but, you know, when it's happening minute by minute and something's gaining traction, but in a bad way, um, the guy who, who mixed it, my buddy Janos, the archetype, I was like, man, this is really tough for me right now. Cause I, you know, I was going, I was in Virginia visiting my grandmother who was really ill and I had just dropped this video and I'm just getting attacked all day. And he was like, you got to have the duck back, man. You got to let it roll off like water off a duck's back. And, um, you know, that's a lesson for, for me as well as any artist who's like kind of going into that political realm or, you know, you know, you're going to agitate people. So you really have to separate yourself from that a little bit. And I, I yeah, I, I find that the way that I deal with it is, is by taking a break from social and like going on a walk or doing something that's going to help me just stay grounded. Um, I'm, I, and then I also imagined, you know, what's it like for big artists? Like, what was it like for John Lennon? Because uh, he got killed, you know? Um, I think that when you're going to stand up and say something, it shouldn't be surprising that you're going to be hated or attacked. Um, I mean, you can look at any any figure in history who really went for it, you know, like most of them didn't uh, live to tell the tale didn't live so i was like oh i'm just scratching the surface here like there's some stuff that i even said that you know i'm always developing as a lyricist you know there's stuff that i said that might actually not have been completely accurate you know or maybe it wasn't the right thing to say so you know for me putting out music is more about the process and expressing myself with the hopes that um there's people out there who feel like I'm saying what they wanted to say, you know? Yeah. I think that's the important line, uh, in the sand with hip hop and a lot of music in general, but especially hip hop where it's like, you know, it needs to resonate, connect with someone personally. Um, but at the same time have authenticity. And, and that's what kind of was sort of, um, this might be a bit of a leap, but you know, when we were like, listening to Nas when we were young, or for me, like the chronic was a huge, the original chronic, you know, kind of like broke hip hop back through, like, um, into my life on a daily basis, you know, but it was appropriating in a sense. Like I didn't live any kind of struggle that would resonate with the type of shit that they talk about on those records or really any mm -hmm. hip hop records from the golden age. Um, or really, any authentic inner city hip hop music period. However, like the realness of the stories and the sort of artful manner and revolutionary ways that they were delivered, those records, Illmatic, whatever, the chronic. And, and then for you to basically, you know, you didn't live a struggle like that. You lived a, a, a smaller um, struggle, uh, yeah. a minuscule version of that, but even, that, like, you know, rather than, like, floating around being high, bouncing around to, to festivals, which, you know, I loved that life, and, you know, I'm not knocking it, but personally, like, my own craft, 
only uh, got really leveled up when that part of my life maybe settled down, even pre-pandemic, where just, you know, when I settled down here in Oakland. So I can understand how, like, moving home and putting the weed down and, you know, playing house with an amazing partner who I know is a big part of your creative process and has, like, revamped, you know, your imagery and photography and video, all that, you know, was really born out of a struggle. So, like, you know, when when Chuck D called it the ghetto CNN rap music, it's like, really, it's like when there's trauma and trouble and strife and struggle, like the art made out of that, like hip-hop music, that's when it's at its most potent. And I think you can really hear that on your new record. Especially, mm-hmm. the one thing that I really noticed, because um, I've had the opportunity to preview it a little bit um, before it came out, is that, you know, we talked in the past privately about like rapidy rap and sort of like that gymnastic type rapping flow, which, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a talent to do, but there's, it, it lacks something. And, and I just really noticed that you had developed so many different flows, even like trap triplets and sort of like, you know, that dumbed down version, but it, it, you're not any less Jackson whale. And you're just like fitting what you do into those parameters. And that's like a delicate, delicate, you know, line in the sand or, you know, dance to do. Um, but I was just really blown away by how faithfully you executed what flows for what songs and like, yeah, there's some rapidy rap, but it works. It's impressive because it's not the whole record. It's like when it matters. So how did you, uh, approach that and say, you know what, I'm going to, uh, just basically rap in a bunch of different flows and make them all my own. That's a great question, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think that I had had a resistance to sounding pop or mainstream, but now I feel like I'm studying it and leaning heavily in that direction and and like you said kind of adapting who i am and what i do to what's relevant right now um and also like you know sitting with ian evans and like workshopping ideas together even with my rhymes uh rhythmic you know rhythm wise and like uh sitting down and like literally mumbling words and and creating melodies and speaking gibberish until I have a cadence ready um, has really been a huge, hugely helpful exercise for me um, to kind of fit content into rhythm as opposed to fit rhythm into content. Um, So yeah, like, you know, on this record for the first time I'm putting out music that has my voice with auto tune on it, you know, um, that's a huge step for me. Um, and you know, it's, I think there's a fine line between being muddled, like having too many different styles and, and then being versatile. And so I'm, I'm just really striving to be versatile, um, while not like trying to fit too much into one thing. Word. Yeah. I was just, I was like, it was funny because like at the beginning of each hearing it the first time, you know, beginning of each song, I'm like, you know, you do the, the title track from the woods, which obviously, you know, you go 
all the way into the concept of the song. So you're not just rapping about, you know, and I don't want to spoil it for folks, but being from the woods, but you know, you're incorporating instrumentation and sounds that would be, you know, maybe thought of as like rural, right? Right, and, right. But so my thought before you come, before the song kicks off and I hear the beat come in and, and maybe here are the, uh, I guess maybe the first little bit, I'm like, you know, this could go either way. You know, it could be like, <laughs> yeah. it could be an Uncle Cracker song. <laughs> yeah, you know? Sparks. Yeah. Right, exactly. But no, it's so fucking dope. And one of the things is I put it on good headphones and sonically it just knocks like a motherfucker. But right. your kick, it, it was very reminiscent of like GFE, just like kicking your real life shit to like a, a beat with guitars and maybe like a banjo or some shit. Yeah. So the guy who taught me how to rap um, out here in the Berkshires, his name is Reggie. He goes by Dominic Omega. He said something to me that really resonated with me, which is like, you know, because he grew up out here too, and he's a rapper. He's also a person of color. Um, like his perspective is different than mine, but it's also like, this is the material that we have to lean on. I feel like where you're from is, is like uh, material. So like, yes, I'm a white rapper from the woods. <laughs> like that's, so that song is like me embracing that, you know, but, uh, so, and, and then, yeah, like with the mix, um, John Davis from the bunker studio did a great job. So yeah, the headphone, I'm glad you're, you're feeling the headphone. Listen, yeah, man, I really just, you, I, I was like, I'm not sure you could pull that off, but you did. It was, it's really good. Yeah. Cause like, you don't want to be like hip hop. Right. Cause, cause then it's like another, it's another snag type thing that I have to deal with. Right. Like I'll become that guy. And like, right. I like to, you know, okay, like I can do this and still be true to myself, but I'm going to move on and I'm not going to become this guy, you know? Well, yeah, but you don't want it to be like a gimmick, exactly. Yeah. But but I don't. But it's not hip hop because you're not like you don't go over the top with the lyrics. You're just talking about life there, which is what makes it so authentic and real. Um, but the music is just very like in the sticks, so it is funny. But no, yeah, it works. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of concept songs, and that's what another thing I found remarkable about the new album is like you really craft conceptual songs versus like kicking hot rhymes maybe with a, a familiar hook like you crafted songs and did like punch-ins and like third person etc <laughs> yeah a little you, overdubs right and, and and i dig that but i wanted to ask about uh the next song after from the woods i don't have the track list in front of me but man it's like straight like uh organized noise goody mob outcast shit that third song has got a trumpet solo on the end, right? Are we talking about um, work? Yes. Yeah. What What's the story on work and like like the instrumentation? Um, are you producing a lot of this stuff? Co-producing it? Yeah. So I'm I'm making all the beats uh, with with Ian Evans playing keys on the majority of the tracks. Um, there's a couple that I made the beats for on my own. Um, but yeah, it's, it's me and Ian Evans sitting in the studio. Um, so work, uh, was a beat that I had sitting in my, on my hard drive for a long time. Uh, loved it, but didn't know what to do with it. I had a trumpet sample from 
my friend Ariel Shrum, who plays trumpet with uh, Louis Futon. I think that how do you, is that how you say Louis Louis Futon? We'll hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Shout out Louis Futon. Um, so yeah, so I had that. I had a bass from this guy Miles Lolly, who's a local musician here, and then yeah, I did the drums. Ian Evans did like a bunch of key keyboard additions. And then I see this song as like the, you know, the song Angry on my album is like, you know, me describing a lot of problems. And I feel like work is, is me describing solutions and like the fact that like, you know, I kind of planned it for coming out after this transition of power that we've seen. Because uh, while it's like kind of hopeful, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of like, racial social justice um environment and like a number of issues that you know are still with us here and aren't going away anytime soon um so yeah i don't know i was really inspired by d'angelo on this actually in terms in terms of like the the drums and some of the instrumentation and like the the kind of like the chorus i guess yeah, man, I, it's funny. Uh, today's the twenty-first birthday of Voodoo, and played yeah. D'Angelo all morning here. But I, I hear that too, and it's funny because D'Angelo is definitely uh, feeling the organized noise. Also, I just like to me, I heard I was like, "Wow, man, this could be like Atlanta '95." Just hearing the beat and the wow. vibe—that's where it took me. And like, there, you know, I, I know I texted you about. I was like, "I can't believe you made a future song." Um, oh, this the, is the one you were talking about. No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, oh, the, the... no. Future song is verified because I'm dope. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's got to be the one you're talking about with the autotune or one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's one and of them. I'm, sure. And so you're singing, and you're singing a couple choruses, but you're really singing on this one. And, uh, you know, we can go we can go two ways with it. I want to hear how did you, because, like, you talk about, like, lines in the sand, you know, you really, um, you do the, really kind of current contemporary like pop trap sung hook um but it's a very like real tune in terms of the subject matter where you're discussing people's clout chasing on social media and and doing it in a subversive way so first how did you convince yourself that you're going to do a pop trap song and and second you know what are you getting across Am I hearing you right? Is that the message? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're... Yeah. So basically, we had this beat, you know, which I loved. It's actually Ian playing recorder flute, and then we pitched it down and created a beat that we thought was hard as nails, and we had a really hard time writing anything to it, and we were even thinking about trying to sell it because we just couldn't come up with anything. But... um you know, long story short, I'll go into a little bit of detail, but I pretty much made this song for TikTok um, because I got a TikTok account uh, about a year ago. Maybe I was kind of early in line to get an account, um, and I got verified because I'm I'm an artist, and somehow I was able to prove to them that uh, I don't know I had a notable account or whatever. And um, every time I posted on TikTok, I would get these comments like, how are you verified? And it was like, 
you know, I was getting spammed with that question like every day, every time I posted because I had like a hundred followers. And so one day I kind of flipped and like responded to somebody's comment with a video. And I was like, in a joking way, I was like, I'm verified because I'm dope. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, that went, that got like 200,000 views after a bunch of videos that I only, that only got like 50 views or like 20 views, you know? Oh, that's and dope. So like, it's like a catch 22. Like I, I, I gained like 6,000 followers overnight and like, I I did that. I kept doing that occasionally. Like I just did it again. It's like a joke to me, you know, because um, like being verified just means that like you are who you are, and like there might be people trying to make an account with your name and say that they are you, you know. So that check mark that so many people are striving for is just like just to verify your personality, you know. Um, so I made that song and it's, it kind of makes me cringe sometimes cause it's, uh, it's like kind of like music from artists that aren't my favorite. Um, and it's, um, but I made it, I didn't make it for myself. You know, I made it for, for TikTok. also to like tell the story of people who like, I'm not just verified cause I'm dope. Like I went through a lot to get where I am and 15 years of grinding to, you know, to put out an album or whatever. So it allowed me to kind of tell my story and get real with people like in the verses, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely like literal and then sort of subversive at the same time. And it's funny cause I heard that I took a walk around Lake Merritt when I gave your album, like the first two listens. And that happened to be the day that D'Angelo joined Instagram. I don't know if you saw that. Normally, like, it'd be like, who cares? But, like, you know, D'Angelo's really reclusive and doesn't social media, but I guess he's kind of coming out of his, you know, shell a little bit for whatever reason. He's got a new Sonos radio channel that's probably something to do with it. Anyway, so that first day, it was like, holy shit. Like, you know, D'Angelo's on Instagram. First picture, like, D-Nice through a special club quarantine, like, stream party just for that reason with had mm -hmm. like michelle obama in the comments and it was funny like because as the d nice thing was uh was happening and like whatever i don't even want to go down this rabbit hole too far but d'angelo's first day on instagram and he was like pinned in the comments and everyone's shouting him out and you know one out of every 20 comments is like is that really d'angelo where's the blue check how come he's not verified and it just was such, I just listened to your song. I didn't know the TikTok story, but I obviously understood what you were getting at, which is that whole shit is preposterous and like people, you know, <laughs> such a silly like uh, measure of authenticity. And then I just saw it kind of in action, just like, just really uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And of course, within a day, D'Angelo had his check mark, and I'm sure he could give two fucks. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, that whole, and we talked about Twitter a little bit and how, just like in general, um, social media is like obviously how you get your, how I get my articles out, how I get my podcasts out, how you get your music heard. But at the same time, it's, uh, it was super toxic and full of all this different misinformation and algorithms and such. But before we, uh, finish up on the record, I just wanted to sidebar like you move the goalposts for social media, specifically Facebook, but really in general, social media for yourself, like not long after the incident and you're moving home and man, you know, is that working for you? And how, you know, is there, 
any like wisdom you can shed on how people can sort of maybe not be so addicted to social media, whether it's professionally or personally, and still, whether it be connected with their people or still promote their art, like how did you redesign uh, your relationship to social? And again, how's that working? Oh man. Yeah. There's a lot there because, you know, I've been focusing on marketing and branding and like studying that and reading books and just being extremely studious about it and trying to, you know, use social media within that context. Um, but you know, I am addicted to social media and I think a lot of us are and what helps me, and this might be helpful for other artists, what helps me to return, you know, back to what matters is just being, you know, continuing to remind myself that it's about the song and it's about, it's about the music. And that was, you know, that was always first for all of us, you know, like we, I think it's easy to get a little distracted by the numbers and while they matter, you know, you could spend all day looking at, you know, this website called chart metric and seeing, you know, exactly where you stand on, the big world of the internet with socials and who's listening to you on Spotify and stuff. But you know, the, the thing that really will always matter to, to, you know, if you're an artist or even a writer like yourself doing podcasts as well, or, you know, anybody who's pushing their craft, um, it's, it's, it's easy to become miserable, you know, if you're just on social media all the time. So, I'm not perfect, but I've been trying to balance that out. Um, also, you know, I'm doing this independently and, you know, I have a pretty large ad spend per month on trying to get people over to Spotify and um, allowing, you know, allowing people to get to know me a lot more and just being more intentional with what I post. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody. I, I know some people who have, you know, almost a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and they're following zero people and they release music and it, it goes huge. Like I find that I have to, and I want and like to connect with people when they show me, you know, show me love on my music. And I try to actually be responsive to everybody. Um, but I've experienced like way more growth in the last year uh, on Spotify and Instagram. Um, like I went from less than a thousand Spotify followers to about almost 4,000 Spotify followers as I get ready to release this album. So there's a lot of tools that I use to find my audience. Um, and uh, you know, I'd be happy if anybody hears this and wants to reach out I'm, totally happy to share that everything I've learned, you know? Yeah, man. I think that, you know, a lot of people are in the same space as you independent artists pushing their craft, especially in a post COVID reality. I think doing more with less, um, online is essential and I'll probably be hitting you up myself and stoked to hear that there's been growth, even as you kind of limit your time at this point for me, it's like I said, it timer almost like okay i want to have this much time in the morning and then revisit it in the evening and the discipline is is in between you know not trying to like waste time on social so just seeing you be productive with it and maybe making it less about 
you know, shooting the shit with your friends and more about, you know, your art and your career, you know? Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really important for me to connect with my audience, you know? Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I feel like, it, it, you know, in the beginning, you know, cause I feel like I'm, I'm still in some form of a beginning, you know what I mean? Um, with where I'm at, like in the beginning, I still think it's important to just connect with everybody who reaches out and also like sometimes even reach out to followers or you know, fans to thank them or whatever and just, you know, get to know them better because that's the audience. Like I also, uh, created a music check, music release checklist for independent artists that I have up on my website too. So like, you know, part of my mission is to like help other artists who are independent, like get ahead. That's important, man. That's dope. And we'll, yeah, we'll have a link to your site and all that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a story behind each tune, but I wanted to finish up with something that definitely resonated me with me personally, which is the last song on the new album. Music is my drug. Um, and it was, it was, uh, yeah, like I said, walking around Lake Merritt by myself, my own thoughts. And, you know, it's no secret. I've talked about it a bit on the pod before different circumstances that I struggled with drugs for many years, uh, prescription opiates was my thing. And, you know, my mom has taken to listening to the podcast now, so I don't want to get too into horror stories anymore as to not (laughs) remind her of those days, but you know some close calls and some really dark times. And, you know, uh, you made a, a song that kind of addresses, you know, your own, you know, experience watching people close to you struggle or even, you know, pass on from drugs. And I know like from my own experience that where you live and where you're from, you know, was hit really hard by like the oxy tornado and, uh, and the reverberations are still being felt, whether it's through graduation to heroin or whatever the hell. And, uh, I was really struck by that song. And the other way it hit me was that like today's contemporary music, what we're talking about, like sort of pop trap, the zeitgeist, you know, everything from, you know, sipping lean to popping perks has been so normalized. And so, uh, just like, uh, become really like at the forefront of this next generation or whatever SoundCloud rap and all that. I'm not trying to sound like the old guy, get off my lawn. And I've, <laughs> I've been, you know, I've had my fucking time with many, if not most of these substances that are recklessly celebrated. So it's kind of a ballsy thing to make like an anti-drug song and you're doing it in the style and in the moment when like, there's so much reckless celebration of uh, ir- irresponsible drug use. And then for you to make it so personal and tell like first person narratives of seeing your people, you know, getting wheeled out. It was really intense, man. And, and I just wanted to hear uh, a little bit about how you came to make that track. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, ever since I was young, um, heroin and, and oxys have been like, you know, flooding the area. And as I'm sure, like throughout a lot of rural and, um, rural and urban places throughout the U S and the world, it's, you know, it's a struggle. 
and I've had lost friends. Like I could, you know, laundry list of people who are from here, who I was close to, who have OD'd. Um, and yeah, it's also, you know, the verse is about how challenging it could be to talk to an addict without, you know, yeah, just like learning how to like talk to somebody about some something that they're dealing with. Cause I know that when I was struggling with substances, it's, it's, it was hard to talk me out of it, you know, and I could only imagine what that was like for people who loved me. Um, and yeah, so like, yeah, also, yeah, it's like being the odd one out if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, you know, and how that can feel uncomfortable. And also people could feel like you're judging them because you're not doing it when really you just want to hang, you know? Um, so there's, there's a lot of perspectives in, in that song. And I, and I wrote that while I was on probation, you know, so I was kind of coming, I had my moment where I felt like, wow, I can finally make music without being altered, you know? Um, and I, I, I had always needed other things to get me to that point of feeling, you know, creatively liberated or whatever. Word. That was well said, man. And I know from the, the dopey podcast I listened to, uh, people listen to this show because Dave was on the show. So there's a small contingent of sober folks that I know that'll resonate with just like it did with me. I'm not totally sober, but I mean, I've had to change my behaviors dramatically. Uh, yeah, same. I, I mean, yeah. So um, I feel you, man. And, and I really just admire that, that you made that song and that it ends the album. I remember thinking at the end of it, I'm like, it was my first time through. I was like, how are you going to put a song after that? And then of course you did. It ends there. Wow. Yeah. yeah that, there was a lot of deliberation over the order of the album and, uh, Jules Jensen helped me a lot with that. And, uh, as did John the mixing engineer. Um, but yeah, you know, it kind of filters out into a, into nothing. And it kind of is sonically, if not lyrically, the ending of the album just naturally, you know? Yeah, man, it works. It works. And the whole record is an experience. I definitely think it's a level up. I'm excited for people to hear it. I'll play some snippets and a song from it on this episode. And of course, people will be able to find it um, on the show notes. But for those listening, where is the best way to get to you, find you online or connect with you on any of the stuff we talked about? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm on all socials. You can find me, Jackson Whalen, W-H-A-L-A-N, uh, jacksonwhalen.com. And my music is out on all streaming platforms. Uh, supporting on Bandcamp is, like, the, probably the most direct way to support the music. I've also got some good merch up on my site. And, yeah, I, I think Instagram is probably the best way to just connect with me if you want to talk. And down to help artists as well. So, where you can find me right on man well i wish you the best uh on this album release from the woods um and yeah man i appreciate you making the time for this conversation proud to know you you're my brother likewise
Thank you so much, B. Yeah, man, we'll do it again down the road. And cool. All right, brother. Yeah, be well, man. Peace. Peace. Yo, B. What up, dude? How you doing? What up, man? Good. Right on, brother. Yeah, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, just kind of taking it day by day. You know, there's a lot happening in the music industry all of a sudden, which is a good sign. And that's actually why I'm calling you, man. We talked like two weeks ago. I was getting ready to put the pod together, and then I saw some really super exciting developments out your way. I don't want to, yeah. uh, you know, get ahead of myself here, but uh, KRS-One, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man, it's like, uh, it's it's wild. It's like 10 years in the making for me in terms of someone who I've wanted to collaborate with, and uh, the door opened surprisingly kind of out of nowhere but i had been developing connections uh you know with people who were close to him and finally i heard back uh at a time when i wasn't expecting to and so i i really uh really had to get myself together quickly and reached out to my community and we successfully crowdfunded a verse and uh, I'm really looking forward to the collaboration. Damn, that's just fucking incredible, man. And I got to say, you know, obviously I've known you for a long time and people all hear the conversation we already had. But I know how much this means to you, how much it would mean to any artist or MC, but especially like for you, where you're at with your career and where you're at with your community, to be able to not only get him to agree to get involved, but then to see... You jump into action, put together the campaign, and then your fans respond in like a week. Right. What was that and, process? Uh, how did you uh, how did you work it out in terms of you know with him, and then in turn, what were the actions you took to put this campaign together? Yeah, so it was kind of uh, all happening simultaneously. But as soon as I heard back, I was like, you know business-wise i was like how am i gonna do this you know this is so sudden and um and then you're in the middle of another album cycle release too yeah you know i I originally wanted to have him on the original title track for my album um but you know as i'm sure uh they're they're super busy on his end uh they didn't get back for a while so i was kind of moving on at that point um and then I put a little message out to my Facebook group and just kind of asking, hey, would, would there be support for a feature with KRS-One? And I was, uh, I kind of just left it there. I didn't really look at it. And then later that day, I looked back and it, it was like a bunch of people came forth saying, yo, we want to do this. And so I, I just uh, got myself together. And I think that that's one of the things that I would say for other artists, too, is like, you could be working for decades and like when a big opportunity comes, it's like, just be ready. And, uh, I felt ready for it. So yeah, man. Right on. Well, we're ready for it. I was happy to contribute to the campaign. Uh, I know that it, you know, you did the deed. So my first call with this, when I thought of, Hey, let's get Jackson back on for a few minutes was to plug the campaign. Uh, but Hey man, that thing happened quick and it's a testament Mm -hmm. to your connection with your fans. So, what can you tell people about, you know, obviously you're not going to spoil what to expect, but do you have any idea, like, how are you going to put it out? Are you going to save it for the next record? Are going to be a standalone single? 
yeah it's it's gonna be a single um and it's gonna be kind of like uh like we were discussing i think a couple weeks ago it's like put a track out maybe put like a subsequent release out that draws more attention to the album so that's that's really what this is about is kind of having something that's connected to my new album uh with a legend like krs1 on it um that's the plan so i'm hoping that you know if all goes well i'm hoping that this will be you know like a, a month and a half possibly um and you know there's talks about a video but i'm not really sure about the details of that yet uh, i don't want to get anyone i don't want to get anyone hope anyone's hopes yeah. up so well hey baby steps man the, the fact that you got it happening at all is just a beautiful gift and an amazing development and i know i'm proud of you i'm excited to hear it right away i thought back because like you know obviously been a huge fan since boogie down productions and and he's like such an iconic i mean he's the teacher that's what they call him yeah i mean he is such a force of nature pivotal you know, component to the the foundation of hip hop as a culture, and really brought me back because you know you being a white MC and him being such like a you know he's very, very you know the pro black kind of like modern day uh, community leader outside of hip hop. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful connection, multi generational, and I was thinking back to when I was young, I was into a lot of metal and hardcore. And, uh, there's a New York City hardcore band called Sick of It All. And they have, uh, they had a song called Injustice System that I saw the video for when I was like in the suburbs as a teenager. And the reason I tell you this story is I went to Tower Records and bought their cassette because I saw this video for Injustice System talking about, you know, human rights and equality and the struggle. Not unlike what you would hear from a KRS One. <clears throat> I didn't know it at the time. But when I put the tape in, the first voice you hear is not Lou from Sick of It All, but Karis One in 89. Doing the intro. The yeah, just doing oh. the intro, shouting out Sick of It All, like same team shit, you know? Wow. And then, like, here we are with fucking 32 years later, and he's still doing similar, like, unification of communities and cultures for a common struggle or cause. And yeah, yeah, I think he just released released his 23rd album uh between the protests um which i've i've been getting through and, and studying uh, but yeah definitely the teacher and i definitely consider myself a student so it seems right and uh you have a beat or production like, picked up yeah so i'm doing the he's gonna be on the remix from from the woods oh word yeah so like i it, it's gonna be a little bit different but with the same vibe and um and he's going to have a 16 on the track. Beautiful. Well, we'll keep... And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of polishing up my end as well to, to kind of bring a little a new flavor into it. Yeah, you got to, man. Like, it's funny. I was listening to this uh, Dead Prez. Juan Epp is dead. So you got to check out the new Juan Epp or the Juan Epp with Dead Prez. Okay. Dude, it's unreal. Like, just like the old school Juan Epp scenes, right? And... And they're talking about how they got Hove onto the Revolutionary but Gangsta album on the remix. It's 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 a really beautiful story. But the point being is, they said the same thing. Like Hove liked the track so much, you want to get on the remix. They had to sharpen up for the remix. Same yeah. thing with you, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, like any artist, it's like once it's down on 
and recorded and released, I'm still thinking about things to improve. And I don't think that a song needs to end just because it's like out. I think that it can improve and, and evolve. And, you know, like uh, actually with Snag, my Sensitive New Age guy is a perfect example of that. Um, I, I released the song and two years later did the music video with a remix from my buddy Skyler, who's a producer by the name of Jade Cicada. And, uh, he he put out the new he like finished the new version so it's kind of like something that I'm I'm getting used to is like reworking tracks and having them be new again. Yeah, I mean on an instrumental level, you hear Lettuce do that all the time, uh, and in a lot of ways, The Grateful Dead did it over the years. So it's a time honored tradition, man. And uh, yeah, man, really stoked for you. Looking forward to hearing this. And of course, now I'll just tack this on to the end of the pod, which I'm going to put out in the next couple of days. So. Yeah, I think it was right to, to at least hop on for a few minutes here. And um, thanks so much for, for supporting the campaign and of having course, me on the bro. podcast, my bro. Man, honor and a privilege, my friend. And I guess it was fortunate that I got so busy that I had to bump the pod for a few days because then this got to happen and now we can in- inhabit it on here too. Yeah, there's been some some mysterious timing things happening lately and I think that this is one of those things. So right on, I would circle back. Cool. No doubt, man. Well, I'll be in touch soon, and you just keep us posted as to the progress. Likewise. Keep up the great work, man. All right, brother. Have a good one. Peace. Peace. I'm verified because I'm dope. Got that check mark. I'm a pro. Because I lift them up and give them hope. Now I'm about to drop another post About how I'm verified cause I'm dope This is for my people in the front row This is for the new ones who didn't know I'm not just verified cause I'm dope Let me tell you how I used to be struggling broke Now I'm sitting on a pot of gold And I know you heard that before but the story really must be told Tell it. I've been hungry, I've been stuck out in the cold Man, that's a good one <clears throat> Cause I'm dope That's Jackson Whalen, who you just heard from Check out his new album, From the Woods Large up yourself, Jackson Whalen Really stoked to know you Really excited about the KRS-One development And just your whole trajectory is on point man there's a lot to learn from your story and i'm glad to know you so uh i have to play sensitive new age guy i mean come on now i wanted to introduce folks to his music outside of that song but uh it was very it was an incredible sort of uh societal situation to watch develop living in Nevada City in the burner community and the festival community meeting Jackson on the ganja farm he's like yeah I got this joint man some people love it some people hate it and it's just this very sardonic uh, witty uh, comical take on conspirituality and just like the spiritual scene but it lends itself to conspirituality which is ironic because once Upon a Time, Jackson made a song with Derek Barris, episode 38, Conspirituality Podcast, 
and a journalist I admire and a musician producer who I really enjoy with Earthrise Sound System. And you can check that out. I might even link that in the show notes, that uh, old school, early Jackson Whalen with Truth and uh, Earthrise Sound System. But uh, and Derek Barris in the mix, some kind of global remix situation, whatever. But uh, nonetheless, uh, this song, a Sensitive New Age Guy or Snag, it was kind of like in the uh, slapstick, comedic, hip-hop tradition of like an early Slim Shady, but with all the vocabulary and insight and haymakers of somebody who's made music with, you know, yoga cats like Earthrise Sound System and also like been all out here in the West Coast uh, festival scene and there's a lot of cracks you see in the wall if you will so i really appreciate this tune but it was a little divisive both in his own life and in the culture uh because you know mirrors sometimes aren't the best and sometimes laughing at folks ain't either so there was a lot to learn for all parties i'm sure jackson himself much like there is on this track you're hearing now called music is the drug which is a really poignant uh, look at drug use in our communities just like amongst friends and in the music scene and as you could hear from his uh, interview he has an interesting perspective personally legally etc so yeah man jackson whalen sensitive new age guy coming right up this is music is the drug before that it's cuz i'm dope all of it's from the woods Karis one coming down the pipeline my man big up yourself snag coming right up and then i'll come back through with the vibe junkie jam of the week like we always do about that time All because of the heroin Chance of survival, very slim Escape reality, very grim My patience, wearing thin You ain't facing the burdens you've been carrying Walk around looking all arrogant I want the real you, no comparing it I found my purpose and I'm sharing it That's why I got this music and I cherish it In high school, we were very lit But now you... Hi, I'm a snack Sensitive new age guy Join my commune at open heart sky Bare feet, mother earth You're missing out While we're blissing out On my mama's couch for now But the kickstarter page is getting ready Plus I'm knitting medicine pouches For my Etsy Hold space and check me Hashtag future ashram Till then I'm blessed with a backyard wigwam Welcome to the ashram Drop in 24-7 kirtan With my ascended homie Bhagwan Snag you can call me Yogi Jackson People are blogging about my selflessness and compassion Sitting with my heart sisters, fasting Aromatherapy, got the Ram Dass, be here now, blasting Law of Attraction, Goddess, what's your astrology? Are you feeling me? I mean like spiritually? I think we were meant to be, like the Mayan prophecy Obviously, since we're about health, food, and numerology Snag, open up the huddle Smudging in another brother, joining in the subtle cuddle puddle Uh-oh, here comes my tantric lover She's got some sage, a rattle, and a feather Covered in Buddha butter Getting friendly with the yoga instructor Talking Robert Bresney Everyone, it's time for a vegan supper Snack 
just breathe. Snag. But what's your past life? Snag. What's your spiritual name? Snag. From your aura to my chakra. Sacred gong. Before we eat, everybody has to sing a song. Holding hands, sing along, sing it strong. Chanting Om to the food, clothing optional. I'm nude, potluck vegan feast, Satan kale and yeast. It's all gluten free, no dairy, bringing in the chia seeds, honoring the goji berry. Green algae, green algae, green algae, spirulina, here we go, dinner's ready, sharing circle, everybody checking in, are you in the present moment, where have you been, are my brethren accessing the feminine, and sisters, are you forgiving the masculine, before we imbibe, let us take the time to arrive. Just dive inside, don't be shy Is it your time to cry? You just might, and that's alright Shashanti's turn to share her past life Regression, rebirth, mandala tonight Food soon to follow Burn the Palo Santo from Kripalo Put on the new record by Nako Now let's eat, aho Snack Blocking my energy centers Snack So open right now Snack Where's my Ganesha? Soda can by the vegetable bus. Ah, Brother Bindi's stepping forward to reestablish our trust. Nonviolent communication is a must. All is forgiven, now it's time for gentle hugs. You too can catch my high, sensitive new age guy. Come and learn to fly at open heart sky. Be patient after a three month initiation. If there's no complication, you can volunteer at the food prep station. It's a permanent vacation, promising enlightenment and permanent transformation. Snag. Where's my health drink? Snag. I need to do my homes. Snag. Where's my, where's my snag? Sense of new age guy. S-N-A-G. S-N-A-G. I want to say thank you to my man Jackson Whalen for that awesome conversation and that was sensitive new age guy so hope you all dug that check out the video on YouTube and we're gonna roll on into the vibe junkie jams like we always do about this time now just led you in with a little bit of water get no enemy D'Angelo, Femi Kuti, Macy Gray, Nile Rogers, Roy Hargrove, The Soultronics, Positive Force, produced by D'Angelo and Questlove. And it was for the uh, Red Hot and Riot compilation shortly after the turn of the millennium at the, at the uh, end of the Soul Quarians era. 
And you heard, uh, I'm sure, D'Angelo came out from hibernation with his first to Instagram, then a Sonos radio show. Then just last week, he did the uh, Versus format from the Apollo Theater, which was a beautiful look back at his just incredible catalog with the new song he did with Keon Harold to start the show. Check that out on Funk It uh, SoundCloud, that new D'Angelo joint. But I'm hitting you with this Water No Get Enemy to bring it in with a little Roy Hargrove, the late great trumpet player, and his RH Factor. Uh, teamed up with D'Angelo. He's, Roy's all over the Voodoo album. And, you know, Questlove had played a number of his tracks and Soul Quarry and stuff in general over the past month on his DJ sets, kind of building up to the D'Angelo verses. So, in celebration of that, uh, I'm going to play some D'Angelo adjacent stuff to celebrate his return. As you know, a huge D'Angelo house here at the Up Full Life podcast. So, I'm going to drop a track from RH Factor. Roy Hargrove's band. The album's called Distractions. The song's called Bullshit. It's produced by D'Angelo, and he also contributes vocals. It's a banger. Definitely out of the Soul Quarians traditions. And I wanted to also play a second joint for the Vibe Junkie Jams after Bullshit. Uh, I'm going to drop The Violinaires is the name of the group and the song's called The Upper Way uh, from the album by the same name back in 72 uh, it was very little to find out about these cats but it says on all music group known for singing and alternating falsetto to rock the church and the reason that I hit on this track is because it's the very last song in the uh, unreleased D'Angelo documentary that came out overseas a couple years ago that I had the good fortune and privy to view uh, at the premiere at a black film festival down there in Los Angeles a year ago on my birthday. So uh, at the tail end of that, I don't want to say too much, but there's a scene with just D'Angelo in his home studio and he's just singing along to a record. That record is The Violinaires, The Upper Way. Uh, It's a, you know, for almost 50 year old song incredible gospel tune that really fills me up and uh much like the documentary which i hope everyone gets a chance to see one of these days but uh, just like the documentary ends on that song so will episode 42 of the up for life podcast so huge huge thanks to D'Angelo for re-emerging and reigniting the flame in so many music fans' hearts around the world. And we have big hopes, but no expectations, just love and appreciation. So uh, with that, we'll let this uh, Fela tribute ride out for a hot minute. Then we're going to hear that RH factor into the violinaires. want to say goodbye, job bless, and we'll see you next time. Yes, indeedy.
Higher ground. 